Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. There's Andy Wood. Hello. This is our second go at doing an intro because some music played unexpectedly on the computer. These I damn sh- articles. I shouldn't have told you that. Autoplay video, man. You know, is that privilege that my biggest complaint in life uh, is autoplay video? Well, I'd hope that that science? isn't your biggest no, complaint biggest. in life. It's, my one complaint it's a very life. legitimate complaint. Yeah. I hate the CNN website for that reason. Well, first of all, CNN is, I mean, I don't want to side with Trump on this because it's not fake news, but CNN's pretty garbage and it's becoming garbage year. I don't know. It is still, the website still is relatively, I think the TV channel, the the demands of 24 hour constant coverage means. Yeah. Yeah. I I was talking to somebody about this who, who pays for New York times and I was like, maybe I should do that because they do have high standards. Like if they have to change even one thing, there's a note at the end of the article that they change that even if it's an inconsequential detail. Yeah. But like CNN, there's just typos all the time. Compared to the daily mail that would just, the daily mail does the opposite. Like when someone complains or they think they're about to be in trouble, just details just disappear from the article overnight or just change subtly or headlines just alter. And people, unless you take a screenshot, there's no sign that it was ever not that. Yeah, and I, I, I do kind of think that the death of expertise is one of the reasons that everything is shit right now. It's like a symptom of the bigger... I, I still kind of contend that everything that's bad right now is because of the internet. I agree. It's really, everything comes out of that and no one, I mean, that's not, I'm not the only one with, with that take, but um, I think you can trace everything else back to our inability to come to terms with this, to, to figure out how to use this tool effectively. Yeah, there's something... The democratization of information is both great and terrible. I imagine yeah. that we look like that we must look like chimps smashing each other in the face with with bones. Do you know what I mean? Like the bones 80, being this tool, the bones created. being the internet. Yeah. Like that, yeah. like a hundred years from now, that they'll look back at the way that we yeah were they handling did that bones. and they left it totally unregulated. Yeah. Again, I. I I I love that there is this sort of free world of right, free information right. and unregulation and it and people who previously were denied access to the means of disseminating information mm-hmm. now have that ability. The gatekeepers are gone. Same with the, even with performers. With you know, if you're a creative person, you don't have to convince some major broadcaster or publisher to like your work you yeah. just you can get it out there and find your fans and you can get your news out there if you're some marginalized group of people but with if that you're a comes person who believes that vaccines cause autism that's it yeah your opinion out there <laughs> with like, that same thing comes yeah. with just yeah. sort of like yeah i do like that the mainstream organizations no longer have a monopoly on information but also that should be weighted accordingly like they're the, like I still think that the New York Times should carry a bit more weight than James, right? Who right. has some opinions, <laughs> James W. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is the voice of our guest. Uh, he is a comedian and a writer and a father and a dog owner and uh, a very fine person, Galloway Albright. Hey, Galloway. Hey, hey, Matt. Hey, Andy. Thank hey, you for having going? me over. It's going pretty nicely. Uh, I my the highlight of my day has been finding out about the twenty uh, five year old existence of uh, Michael Jackson superfan Andy Katz. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't want to out Andy. Andy Cat is Andy Cat. Yeah, I was going through some tax paperwork and I didn't mm-hmm. realize that I've kept in these file cabinets one folder of just like miscellaneous funny printouts, and this is a thing from ninety seven that I still have. It's in mint condition. 
Uh, it's a it's a scan. It's a blown up scan of an of a an ad someone bought in the Ithaca Journal twenty years ago. It looks to be like a fifteen year old, maybe. I I think that he's a little bit older. Okay, as a teen a teenager who's a oh, Michael Jackson super fan bought ad space in the local paper in my college town, and as uh, a picture of him neck, whole, touching a Michael Jackson poster, and then just an essay about how much he loves Michael Jackson. Do you have with each- you know what I've just realized? It was we're talking about the internet and new means of information. This is the pre-YouTube version of the Leave Michael Alone video. Oh, uh, like a sort of, of Leave Britney, Britney alone. alone. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. You're right. <laughs> it's like, it's right. like the Leave Britney Alone 20 years earlier. It's just like, you just be nice to Michael. It's, yeah, I, he's, he's half Michael Jackson apologist and half just you know, Just support crazy. him. It's just like, <laughs> like it sort of ends with a plea to support his work so he keeps creating. But this isn't what's great about it. What's great about it is just the random capitalization, quotation marks, unnecessary apostrophes, just strange sentence structure to the whole thing. Can you put uh, like with each episode, is there like a little, is there, is there like a, can you have like images associated yeah, with each I episode? Can, I can you put should. It up, I'll put it up on Imager and then link to that. It um, needs um, to be distributed. I'll put it in the show notes. So if, you, if you're listening on, a, on, your, on your phone, I think you just click on just touch our picture and i think the show notes come up but the podcast app keeps changing on on uh, ios uh, or you can just go to probablyscience.com and click on the links to see this would not be a misuse <laughs> of the internet no this is a this is what the internet this is what i miss about the internet like there yeah. was a time when it was mostly things like that yeah it was a fun diversion and you could also do some research for a paper you know it wasn't like right People spending their entire day trying to It was like the Carter Encyclopedia on CD-ROM, but so much better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I love that I'm now friends with the guy from the Encyclopedia Britannica ads. Did you, did you see those ads back in the day? No. Wait, wait which ads? Um, we had the Britannica. There was the voice of God and the guy in a white room, um, and he's and, and he's talking about the paper he, he needs to do research for, and then he gets an A-, a-, a- or a B B-plus because there was too much information in the paper overkill because of the Encyclopedia <laughs> And I guess that that was that's uh, Donovan Freeberg, who I'm now Facebook friends with, and his dad was um, uh, it was Stan Freeberg, the uh, legendary uh, voice actor, and what else is he best known for? Um, who did the the voiceover? But you haven't seen these ads. So this doesn't mean no. anything to you. I'll, I'll again, I'll post the link to those those ads as well. And um, we had our whole living room. I'll add that to the show notes right now, yes. so you don't forget. <laughs> I, I'm not going to forget. Our living room was floor to ceiling with uh, Encyclopedia Britannica's when I was growing up. I like when I had book reports, when I had essays. You know, pre-internet, which was oh. my childhood, I was I had to go pull the Britannicas off of the wall to yeah. find things out. Oh yeah, I think we were a World Book household, but okay, yeah, we, World can still, we were World Book. We can still get but along. yeah, you had to copy that, and then the the C ROM came out, and that blew everyone's mind. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there was you could just you know copy and paste straight there. I've, I'm sure on this podcast before I've mentioned the one guy in our class who had who read out his assignment had clearly just printed straight out from the CD-ROM <laughs> and actually read out the words C-related articles. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's no good. Um, and I only realized halfway through the final syllable of articles. <laughs> it's just like, C-related article. <laughs> what an excellent moment. Like, in front of the class and it's oh, just hanging yeah. out there. <laughs> it was just fully there. Oh, fully that's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, uh, my grandma used to just take a pick a letter and take that to bed for like bedtime reading. She just read oh, like here's here's G's, just G, G G for grandma. Yeah. yeah, G for grandmas. Read about what what, is, what where do grandmas come from? Right, What's the right. etymology would, of grandma? I would sometimes I wouldn't take it for bedtime reading, but I would occasionally just flip open the flip it open randomly. Yeah, there's yeah. just read again. It's like the, the older version of getting stuck in a Wikipedia hole. That's true. Except mm-hmm. you can't follow through the links as easily. Yeah, but it's much harder. 
you know, you just open it up a bit and start reading and then get flipped to another page. If you could only follow links to ideas that began with the same letter that yeah. you started with. So we're immediately following in the alphabet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, um, yeah, yeah, you could read about grandmas and I got gazelles. deep into the BRIs Golf. today. Yeah. yeah, giraffes. <laughs> um, I did bridges. I did Britain. I have no ability to think of other B words right now because bacteria, bromide. Oh, those are two two more B words. Perfect. Boron. Someone's been swatting up for this podcast. <laughs> Not at all. That uh. <laughs> uh, leads into what I was going to ask you, which is uh, uh, Galloway. What, if anything, is your background in science? Background in science. Um, I was an environmental studies major in college. Mm-hmm. Environmental studies, environmental science. Worked on a lot of like environmental science policy stuff as a young oh. as a young fella. Like like what what kind of policies? Um, policy. I, I was working. Um, I, I went to school in Boulder, mm-hmm. and then worked in Denver. And I was working on like local like community organizing like environmental issues, working on like toxic waste okay. issues. You, were you on Department. Pearl Street barefoot trying to get people to sign? Uh, I was. Uh, I was to a, listeners. You are barefoot right now. You're being very Boulder. That's right. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was protesting things left and right. I was activating uh, all kinds of issues okay. in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but uh, yeah, I, did, I got a, like an environmental science degree nice. from Boulder. Um, I don't remember. Are you optimistic right now about this? <laughs> optimistic about of what? Our, of our environment? <laughs> no. <laughs> environment, no? I mean. Why, why, ever, why ever not? Uh, am I optimistic? I mean. Are you? I mean, uh, I'm realistic. Uh, oh, look at those cassette tapes. Those are some Can't, old cassette tapes. Sorry. Um, yeah. No, I'm not optimistic. Nobody's optimistic. Well, I mean, maybe I thought maybe uh, I was hoping maybe you were going to give some like turns out sort of thing where you're thinking that other people are more pessimistic than they need. To. I don't know why I was phrasing it that way. I was no, just there's no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not parsing out your semantics, yeah. sir. No, I mean that. Um, uh, yeah, everything is going to go really bad, but people yeah. are still going to be people and still be alive and still be. Having well, a great time a and, and messing things up. And n- neither the solutions nor the worst consequences will we ever live to see. Yeah, that's true. Unless the worst consequences come in the form of something that's out of our hands, which is the Yellowstone eruption, which now they're saying might happen sooner than... I don't even think... I don't think anything that could happen short of... Um, like an extinction level event of Which some that, kind. That's what Yellowstone blew Right. Up like, I, I don't think, uh, even if something really bad happened soon, I, I think something worse would be coming down the pipe. Just Wait, even if something bad happens soon, something I mean, worse is behind it. I mean, if something, uh, I think if if, 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 if like all of Antarctica melted tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And that would be very uncomfortable. Would not be good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the consequences of that would be worse 150 years from now than they would be t- Next week, presumably, yeah. Although, uh, well, no, but maybe the, the acute impact would be pretty bad, and, and then we'd find a way to get used to having our water be thirty feet higher or whatever it would be. Yeah, how how high are we here? What like in L.A. where people where where, where awful people like us are just running around? How high? Well, like, we're pretty good. I don't know. Good. Well, some of L.A. is in the hills, so some of that is definitely right. 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 Be but fine. I mean, but I mean, the general basin of L.A. Well, L.A. is a coastal town, so like mm-hmm. you got to presume that some of it is at sea level, given that it goes down to the sea. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that doesn't make picture, any sense. Picture there's Santa Monica. There's that big seawall that's probably like fifty feet high, and I think fifty. You, like, like coming up at the coming up the beach, 
Yeah, that wall. If at Santa Monica, if you're on the street closest to the beach, then you peer out over the PCH. And oh, like that bluff where downtown bluff, Santa Monica is? 50 feet. And I think the elevation only increases as you go east from there. So, I mean, we're, there would have to be a catastrophic... Palos Verdes looks lovely. That looks like a wonderful where place to watch the apocalypse. The the It's that, that bit that sticks out at the end of the South Bay, that thumb that kind of sticks out towards Catalina. Oh, that's what that's called. Palos Verdes. Okay, okay, yeah. It's big, rocky, mountain. There's like a yeah, they, some wild neighborhoods up there. Is that pretty rich t- territory? Those, it's got to be. I don't yeah. know who lives down there. It's, it's like almost Long Beach, sort of. Yeah, it's in between. You know, yeah, yeah it's the big thing South. that sticks out. Yeah, yeah. It looks lovely. Okay, so that's the place to head if you're down here. No, but I think, uh, I think we're not too susceptible to tsunamis and raising rising. Yeah, it's not these acute things. It's not like some great big deep impact tsunami. Right. Right. It's it's the terrible droughts. Yeah, that's... it's the lack of potable water, and uh, it's an inability to produce industrial agriculture on the scale we need. Yes, yeah, and I haven't looked to see what the latest. Uh, I think when the rains were at their peak this spring, most of the state was out of drought zone, but there were still some red spots. I don't know if we're totally out of drought territory, and. Who knows? If the what are we making the case I think we're fine now. We can just use all of the water we want. Just use all of the water. I've just been making my own almonds. I've just been growing my own almonds. It's That's excellent. Oh, yeah. Like a thousand gallons. I've been making almond. almonds from, from rendered uh, animal okay. fat. <laughs> just from raccoons in the neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, range, range. And did yeah. You, you also covered both your apartment and your car in lawn. That's true. That's, yeah. Yeah. And I watered made everything, times a day. Yeah, turf you made builder. everything into a <laughs> It's great. I had put so cactuses on my car, but then I was like, no, I can go back to grass now. I'm yeah, yeah, good. we're fine. We're out of the drought. So look out for the lawn no car. More, no more car succulents for this guy. <laughs> That's, that'll be Andy. Um, uh, it's got a little putting green as well on the top of it. There's, there's really... no reason to grow grass that nice and not play some golf on it. That is true. And it's w- also seasonal, right? Like you can, if you're, say you're going on a road trip, you can, you know, when you get into the Southwest, maybe... Kick a couple cacti up up top. Right, right, yeah. right. I change, yeah, based on where when I'm driving through Kentucky, it does definitely some, some bluegrass. bluegrass that sure, go on there. Sure, some I've planted some pampas grass. I don't pampas. know what region that is native to, but uh, pampas grass. I am only just now realizing That's that bluegrass kind of grass. is a type of grass that is specific that is native to the area where bluegrass music comes from. I want to say that it's even that like, is a tremendous dot to connect. I presume. I mean, yeah, I yes. Like I had, but I, I had never heard the phrase bluegrass as anything other than a genre, a genre of, music. of music. Yeah. And now thinking about it, like, oh yeah, that is a weird thing for a music type to be called. That's funny in your mind in a moment like that, like a totally normal thing that your brain had just not happened to stumble I just never across. Th- it's just a word that I didn't count. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's the name for that kind of music, and had never bothered to investigate, even. Even just internally, like never bothered yes. to think for a second about why it might be called that. Yes. Some NFL stadiums, I'm looking up a list of current stadiums that shows their playing surface. Uh, lots of different grass variants, but um, Heinz Field in Pittsburgh has Kentucky Bluegrass, as does First Energy Stadium. The Steelers historically Cleveland. have the worst turf. Uh, let me see if, if there's any. Is it artificial, you mean? Or? Well, just the, the playing surface uh, in Pittsburgh is usually uh, awful. Everybody. Oh. Oh, yeah, I just looked at That's the one that's Kentucky. Okay, but just because the, the weather is... No, no, no. I think it's something... No, no. It's like a, it's like a gamesmanship about... thing. Like, they, oh. they, they keep their field, like, nasty and chunky. Oh, oh, So that when, uh, oh. when speedy teams come to town, they have to yeah. chop it up and slow it down. Uh, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of Kentucky bluegrass. Also, some Tiffway... 
What are Tiffway some other Bermuda? grasses? Tiffway Bermuda. Tiffway, Tiffway Bermuda. Bermuda. But yeah. I, um, I like the driving range on top of it. Like if you had a, if you did have like a, a grass roofed car, that'd be a good way to handle the, uh, the breakdown of civilization. Is just to have a trunk full of balls and then just drive up and down uh, the fabulous Pacific Coast Highway. <laughs> And then you just you climb up. On top you, of your you're car. up there at like 17 mile drive or wherever that little that that bonsai tree on the cliff. Right, and right. And you just you get up there and you stand on the roof of your car, and and just plunk them. Plunk them into, into the, the abyss, Pacific. Into the into aim the for Japan. Yeah. Yeah. The tsunamis. Yeah. The from. rising sun. Hole in one. That, that was like the Taylioni <laughs> strategy for from Deep Impact. <laughs> Yeah, right. No, I remember, like, there were some people who were like, "We got to get to high ground. We want to survive." And she's um, like, "No, we're going to die. Let's no. just go watch." She goes stand to find her with her dad. She goes yeah. to find her vaguely continental uh, European continental father, yeah, yeah. Where, um, <laughs> uh, and they go and they just embrace on the Bring beach, yeah. uh, and uh, as the as, as the entire Atlantic Ocean draws out. Yep. I loved. I, I, I really did like that. The, movie. That disaster porn, that late nineties, yeah. early two thousands disaster porn, like before it went over the top. Those just majestic, like five thousand foot high tidal waves were. Yeah, and that movie delightful. More definitely more heady than Armageddon, and it was. Yeah. I think it was kind of ballsy to have not all the characters survive and have somebody like. Oh no! This is what would happen. Is like, oh yeah, would just be like we're gonna the die. Or the waters like, recede. That is yeah, also yeah. the right the first thing to Morgan do. Freeman, if, you're, if you're gonna be to go quick, what if you're gonna die wherever? You, oh, absolutely. Like, if you know for a fact there's no escaping this thing. Then just yeah, do it in the best way you can. Yeah, make the most of your final minute. Um, Let's get to see. Do we a really don't think cool about thing. that. You don't think about that on airplanes. Once, it would, like uh, everyone has their uh, personal like escape strategy about how they're going to survive the plane crash. Uh, mine is to jump at the very end. Right. I've I've thought about when that. Same with air, same high. with the you're crashing high. elevator. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you, if you time it perfectly, then <laughs> but everyone you, else is going to look pretty stupid as you just float <laughs> gently back to earth. Have you ever had bad enough turbulence or just a terrible enough uh, emotional state that on some long flight you had kind of gamed out in your mind? Well. This is it, where we're all to be dead. No, I don't. Um, I, I sort of resign myself to a little bit of death on every flight. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm cut, just so I don't stress out about it. I'm right. Like, we all might die on Take this. the edge That's, off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't... You just heard about this plane that just dropped, like, 20,000 feet in a minute or two, right? No. Oh, you didn't? No. Uh, was it Air Asia? It was a big story, because uh, I guess the stewardesses, or flight attendants, just started, like, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> And so people are like, I'm not sure that was the right protocol. There's these people's cell phone footage. All the air masks dropped. People thought and they you were can hear die. you can just hear the curdling Pass- from the galley. You yeah, know, the- it was an Air Asia flight. They yeah. were saying goodbye to each other. It lost cabin pressure and pressure and plunged twenty thousand feet shortly after takeoff. That's much more scary. because yeah. like even a big drop isn't that scary if you know you're way up like if you're at peak cruising altitude right right yeah, you might as well be against a green screen when you're at cruising altitude you can, your the brain cannot process how far it is to the but surface the sensation of, the of dropping you know four miles in. yeah if you've just come up oh yeah <clears throat> terrifying so, oxygen masks drop from the ceiling as a precaution and the 145 passengers were told to adopt the brace position one said i actually picked up my phone and sent a text message to my family just hoping they would get it uh, we that is set. what you do, yeah. but I mean, so but can you get to a Taylor Leone moment? Is what in, I'm asking. In an airplane, in the airplane, or is it just nonstop terror all the way to the end? I mean, yeah. if you're driving into a building, or like it's a terrorist thing, or there, there's all that kind of anticipation. But if you just go into a spin, I guess you just do head between the knees, so you don't see much, and then you just do you a, I, at I some point. Know. But but at some point, doesn't your inner Taylor Leone just r- look out just the window and up? see? And say and, and and grasp the intertwined knuckles with the stranger 
next to you. Make out with them? No, no. Just to feel the human warmth okay. and, and just to... And just to return to dust Ooh, man. with another person. and uh, Do you just hug a stranger when you're going to die? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do you want like intense eye contact with a stranger? <laughs> and just like a... just I'm a stand-in for everyone who's ever loved you, and you are for me. Don't break and then, this. Don't break this. Yeah. And then, um, God. Or, and then if you survive, you have to marry that person. Like you've just fallen. You do. Yeah. That's like a pickup artist move or something. The touch, ultimate. Touch their lower back. That's the level they're... eight. That's like the Xenu Scientology pickup artist final yeah. secret move. If you're on a crashing plane sitting next to Mystery, he has goggles on his forehead uh-huh. and a big Dr. Seuss hat and painted fingernails. If he still ha- if he still manages to close in that final yeah. moment. Yeah. If he manages to, to number close. Yeah. If he gets digits before he. Yeah. It doesn't even number clothes. That's what they call it. I, I don't just, know. Wait, how do I know these things? I haven't read this book. Doesn't even have any section. It just gets the phone number for future. <laughs> yeah. Wait three number. days. Wait three days. He's waving the scrap paper wait in three the days. with a number on it as he dies. Like, I got the number. That would be, you know what? In a way, that would be the ultimate. That is such a funny thing to do. Like, that's so... I kind of want to see that in a movie That is such a hilarious thing to do, to ask for someone's number just as you're about to die. Both about to... Yeah. Like, you're literally seconds from impact. You're like, can I have your phone number? Like, Can I get your number? I'm trying to picture what kind of movie could even have that. Can I call you sometime? Where it'd be like a a thing that wouldn't be so ridiculously... It would have to be like a David Wayne movie. It couldn't be anything... Because I I know, like... Do you like kombucha? If someone did that to me... I know a great kombucha player. Because that is like that is so deeply funny, though. If someone yeah. was able to do that, yes. If you're nagging someone was, on the way to death, if you're like giving them a backhanded no, compliment if, about their haircut, or but, something. It, but if it is like asking for someone's phone number when you're both about to crash, like that is, if the other person gets that joke, that is an awesome. They okay. probably just so go. You, you don't like it as a as a scene where the person where they successfully get it. You like it as a thing to make the person laugh. I don't know because yeah. what would probably what happen is someone would go like, "What." And that would be bang, and that would be yeah. it. But if they got it, you're a you're a you're an LAX six, but you're a <laughs> uh, you're an afterlife ten, yeah, uh, or you're a deserted island eight and a half. You're a tarmac at four hundred miles an hour. <laughs> you're, you're an Amelia Earhart 12. nine. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like you're doing that strategy that some people do to get. Um, to dis- like to diffuse hostage situations or uh, like ask weird questions that don't quite work. questions and yeah. the person with the guns like wait what like you what just say like, did, did you leave the TV on like what and then you grab their gun because they don't even understand what the question <laughs> works is. every time yeah fail safe oh I, uh, do shit I just, do I detect some sarcasm Galloway let me show you Andy's cabinet of guns Thank you. <laughs> every yes. one of them take them from oh, yep. a different oh, hostage situation his drawer every full of his drawer full of uh, terrorist fingers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I take a gun from a hostage taker, I, I ask the cops, do you guys want this as evidence? Like, no, this is your reward. You this is your, keep... like, possession is nine-tenths yeah. of the law. That's what they say. Yeah, Find yeah. us keepers. You get it. You. you got it fair and square. So now I've got this whole cabinet, and I don't know how to keep the cabinet safe in case I... They say that the last the last person to disarm the previous owner of the gun is the true, the owner, true owner, owner of the gun. Yeah, yeah. Like that's in the Bible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so now I've got these guns, uh, and I know the best thing to say is you're, is you're plummeting to your death, so... If anybody here has survived a near-death plane situation... Uh, and gotten digits. Yeah. <laughs> and can prove it. If anybody here is married to someone that they hit on when they thought they were going to die, please email probablyscience at gmail.com, tweet at probablyscience. If anyone lost a loved one in a plane crash and have concerns that maybe that person 
might have been flirting with someone on their way down. <laughs> like a person. Ta- also contact she's us. <laughs> she's taken and she's going. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of uh, listener stories that were sent into the aforementioned email. Or how about text? Uh, let me just keep ruining this. No, yeah. um, how about text like on the way down? Like the last text, like, hey, girl, you up or something. <laughs> yeah. It's from my dad. Right. Like, <laughs> he was on air, like you air get Malaysia. A signal, you know, you have time for one text to go through to your <laughs> and family. He, and he accidentally you up? sexed his mistress. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, you know, you know what is an even more violent collision than a plane? No, I don't. Hitting what? the desert at. I mean, I, I think I have a many guess. miles an hour. Uh, Neutron stars colliding. Oh, yeah! Mm, big story this week. Uh, yeah, this is this is a. We've already covered. We've talked about Lego a lot on this show, not least because people involved in the making of it are kind slash undiscerning enough to keep coming on our show and discussing their incredibly important scientific work. So thank you, various Lego people who keep doing that, but. It's it's no longer just discovering black holes colliding. It's now managed to spot... Um, here we go, let me... Two stars, two incredibly dense stars slamming in each other, into each other deep into space, sending out huge amounts of gold. Uh, so that's also good news for alchemists if you want to know how to turn things space into gold. gold. All you, All you need to do is collide stars. two of the most densely... Dead stars... Millions of years ago. How long ago did it happen? 130 million. I'm sorry, no, that's, well, I guess 130 million years ago. Yeah, Yeah, this is 130 130 million million light years years away, therefore, it's just, the signal's just reaching us. So it's just happened. Yeah, so 130 million light years. Well, it happened back when dinosaurs were on the Earth, but we were seeing it. No, I understand. That's like, um, that's like, uh, that's like Ithaca's own Andy Cat, like 25 years ago, put up. The Andy Cat Dead Star <laughs> crashed into whatever uh, a phone pole that he put that placard on, and 25 years later, well, it was in the newspaper. Okay, you 25 bought, years yeah, later, yeah, yeah. I'm now You're just seeing, seeing the light yeah, of that light glorious of, moment has only like just reached me, yeah. so that I can delight in it. So great! Um, yeah, I'm looking at a little Earth timeline just to see what was happening back then. So it was it was a mere 14 million years ago that the first grape apes arrived. Did you say grape apes? Great, I did. I did mispronounce that word, and thank they you for drawing attention to that. I, I, I'm curious I like the when sour grape patch ape was, grape ape. Did you watch the grape ape cartoon, Matt? Did you guys have that when you were <laughs> over there? You didn't. Oh, is that actually a thing? Grape ape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were just mocking my no, mispronunciation. It's a cartoon. It was in a real, both, yeah. both interpretations work. Grape ape. I the song. I, he says his own name, or they say his name in the grape ape theme. The great grape ape. He stands on top of a car. Fourteen He's million purple. years ago, like big time primates, like that. Okay, no, no. So yeah, one so second, 100... one second, one second. I now believe you because that was too quick for you to have gone away and produced that song. <laughs> yep. So a hundred. So there were dinosaurs around then. It's so a hundred. A hundred million years ago. Sorry, 150 odd million years ago with the first birds, and 100 and 100 odd million years ago with the first bees. So somewhere between the birds <laughs> and the bees is is where this you. happened. Around the what same time with the first that, flowering plants. Which one? So 130 million. Which is that? Like it's Pleistocene, pretty much Jurassic. Which period? It's on is the that? border between uh, the, the Jurassic and. Is it? How do you pronounce C R E T A C E O U S? Is that Cretaceous? Cretaceous. There we go. Uh, that makes sense. Croton. 
I've uh, never been able to memorize the various eras versus epochs versus we, uh, periods. We versus, should um, we should it's too late go to in and learn that. What with mm. you know being keen quizzes. You know that's that's a good point. That has that's a classic that. quiz question. Yeah. But also the layers of the atmosphere. I can yeah, oh, layers, troposphere, ionosphere. That's even come up in the one we've done. Yeah, yeah. And also champagne yeah. bottle sizes. Uh, I know a Nebuchadnezzar is a big one, right? Yeah, Methuselah as well, but yeah. I can't remember the others. There Wait, we go. is that a bit or is that magnum. a real thing? Those no, are, that's a real thing. Ass. I've never in my life like heard a, of that. I think a magnum, Nebuchadnezzar? What did you just say? Yeah, that that one is like uh, forty liters. Like a King bottle. Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, yeah. They have from mag- the Old Testament. They all have. They all have silly. So there were no, the two, you know, like a magnum is like a double bottle of champagne. Uh huh. Then once um, you get beyond, when you get to the comically sized ones, it's like almost like winning a novelty. They're all named after various biblical figures. Yeah. So. Well, that follows. Yeah, a magnum. A magnum is two bottles of uh, champagne, like a double bottle. A four bottle size is a Jeroboam. Then six Jeroboam. Is, yeah. <laughs> then six sizes is, is a Rehoboam. Then an eight eight bottles is Methuselah. Uh, then Salmanazar uh, is twelve bottles. Baltazar is sixteen, Baltazar. and Nebuchadnezzar is twenty. Twenty what? Twenty bottles. Twenty bottles. Twenty. 20, so, 20, bottles. 20 so ten magnums. So yeah, fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. A fifteen liter. Have you ever like you know sometimes every so often in a restaurant like a sort of yeah, they'll I've have seen, those like, the novelty party. huge yeah yeah and like, like absurdly excited, like big ones. Guy I don't here. think I've seen. I've never seen one that big in really? person. That's far too big. Oh, I have. Like sometimes they're normally what is that? They're one? normally empty and used as decoration. That's a Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. No. It's too big or too small. You think too small for a Nebuchadnezzar? Too small for twenty bottles? I don't think one, a single man can hold up a Nebuchadnezzar. I think that I. Well, I'm, I think that you'd wait, have to have a dolly. Picture. This one must be bigger. Or a than cherry that. picker. This one is about five feet tall. That, that's got to be more Let than twenty that. bottles. I don't know what this is. It's too far from my face. That's what I'm talking when, when you say Nebuchadnezzar, I that's. Think what I'm showing you now is bigger than one. The one before, 20 bottles. Think about It's not like you, you, know, you don't grow by the, a single linear dimension. And this guy's. 20. This guy's. Uh, he's got denim upstairs and downstairs. <laughs> the old uh, Canadian. I like tux. that. And is doing. Uh, Canadian. T- bold move, though, with the short sleeve button down denim <laughs> tucked in to just a, a standard. Saving money on fabric. Standard jean. Also, does the equatorial belt line, right? Right in the the fattest right part in the of the, the fattest part. Well, accentuating also, also the bear fattest in mind part when you like think, that. When you're thinking about the size of the bottle, um, it's uh, it's twenty times the volume, but volume is a cubic. Right, so it's only going to probably be. So it's going to be the cube root of twenty times each each side is going to be the, the each Between like linear dimension is going to be like the cube root of twenty, which is around just over two and a half. Right, so it's only going to be less than three times taller than a wine bottle, more or less. Okay, but yeah. So the one I showed you—that's legit. Is it, if you lines. think about like, um, only time does that tell. make sense? Like, because if you think about know. like a cube, if you think about a cube that is like one unit across, if you then make a cube two units across, then that cube has eight times the volume. Yes. Uh, so three for is twenty-seven, so, so it's less than three. So for a bottle to have twenty times the volume, then each each side of the bottle You're is only sta- two yeah. and a half times the size of a standard bottle. Yeah, I understand that. We're not stacking just twenty bottles on top. Yeah, of Yeah, which would look ludicrous. Yeah, because twenty bottles would be like twenty bottles. Twenty bottles up and twenty. If bottles it, wide. Yeah, if it was twenty times <laughs> the dimensions, then it would be whatever twenty cubed is, which is. Um, it's just too bad it does eight, that eight, math eight, doesn't eight, work like that. Eight thousand, right? Yeah. yeah. And the eight thousand bottle, uh, eight thousand uh, bottles of wine is called a a trump. It's called a trump. trump. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a trump yeah, of yeah. champagne. Mm-hmm. 
we got very far away. There is a Take huge... me back to the yeah. Let's get into the. Uh, Give me the cliff's notes on the neutrons. Okay, okay, so two these two and the space goals. 130 million light years ago, between the birds and the bees, these two um, super dense stars crashed together, spewing out precious metals and other heavy elements like platinum and uranium. Experts say the event has kickstarted a new chapter in astrophysics and confirmed theories about the origin of the mysterious neutron stars. The huge explosion rocked the fabric of the universe, distorting space time. Uh, this is a major discovery in itself, marking only the fifth time that gravitational waves have been spotted on Earth. So this is very, very recently, and this is what the Nobel Prize for Physics was awarded for this year, was the the LIGO, and what's the other um, sister project that's... It has another uh, very similar acronym. But um, anyway, so these product projects that are... That are decades in the making that are incredibly sensitive, incredibly huge instruments that detect gravitational waves mm-hmm. and they previously detected two black holes colliding yes which, which are is more massive than yeah and and yeah and therefore stars. give off bigger ripples in space time so but it uh, seemed the, the, the international scientific community seemed just a gaga over these pictures yeah the difference yeah. here was before we just had that detection via the via LIGO which detected gravitational waves here's so the amazing just, quote unquote hear, hearing it as in you'd get this pattern of speeding up uh, the yeah if you look like at the, the way audio spectrum yeah an audio goes. wave would compress and expand uh, the air molecules in the air this is actually just compressing and expanding the actual fabric of space time yes and it's detected by these things but we could only detect them because it's two black holes colliding and black holes are by their very nature black they don't give off radiation that can be detected in the same way this is what's called a kilonova this collision of two uh neutron stars and so not only were we able to detect the i don't know why i say we we as a human race not only were they able to detect these gravitational waves take the we Take yeah. it like 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 you've just you just like, come home like from your the sports lab. team won like yeah. yeah we just won we just won <laughs> I uh, I I played not a single uh, bit of that game but we won and I had I was nothing... wearing my Lego jersey so I feel like it was a yeah big that's true and you were cheering yeah. them on and you yeah. I think you really helped their morale like you support them like you have like the Lego like scarf and stuff and so yeah. you just say the we. thing the thing that's I've good got about superstitions about it it's a little funny but yeah. <laughs> and the good thing about Andy is he will cheer them. Not just when they're detecting stuff, but when they're not detecting stuff. Like, yeah, these fucking up. Fairweather Lego yeah. fans, fuck you. Like, I've been... Like, when they were relegated, where were they? You were there. Yeah, yeah exactly. still there. Just on the sidelines with your thermos of soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, singing some of the songs, those great Lego those, songs. You know how they go. I mean, yeah. even if you're a casual fan, you know yeah. the Lego Yeah, theme, so there's no right? need to yeah. be singing them right now. Right, but we all know. We all know. But we'll link to it. We'll link to some good versions. Right oh, okay, fine. Lego, Lego. We Get him, Gabram, Lego. Oh, those waves of space-time, they're not quite the same as other waves that you know, but that's the way that it goes, because it's LIGO, LIGO, LIGO. Who goes? They go. We go. LIGO! LIGO! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It takes me back. Yeah. My aunt used to take me to to LIGO matches. You know? Well, that's why, you know what, like... That's why you ended up with that team. Like you could because you don't. You didn't grow up near LIGO. No, I didn't. Just, no, you, you wouldn't visit think your aunt out there. That's right. That's not where. Uh, that's not your local science project. Mm-mm. No, I grew up. Uh, you know, uh, my family rooted for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> uh, but my aunt, whom I loved, mm-hmm. uh, I was visiting her once, um, and uh, my uncle, who never existed. Um, <laughs> And she took me to a LIGO match 
Um, wow, one of the early ones. And flew me back home, and left me with my family, and on her way home, she disappeared into a black hole. And oh, that's, no that's one's, brave of you to talk about this. And what was it like to come home and be the only LIGO fan in your family? Were you like disowned by the rest of your family? I wasn't that was disowned. teasing. I mean, held at a distance. Okay. But yeah. I wouldn't say disowned. Yeah, they respected your right to, to your family. Um, I wouldn't even say that there was a lot of respect. Okay. <laughs> um, there was a certain emotional distance, yeah, yeah. but I was it never changes, asked it to not family when you've be got there. Two different allegiances. Yeah. One is LIGO. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get it. Um, so they were able to detect this. Um, they were able to use telescopes on satellites and on the ground to see the light and the radiation that was being flung after the explosion. After the explosion, and that information is going to be relied on for years to come as scientists learn more about the beginnings of such stars and even our entire universe. Um, every other gravitational wave detection has been traced to black holes crashing together um, in remote regions of the universe more than a billion light years away. The well, new event... The distance was that different. Yeah. yeah, so the new event, although still very distant, was much closer and completely different in nature. It was caused by colliding neutron stars, burnt-out remnants of giant stars so dense that a teaspoon of their material on Earth would weigh a billion tons. Damn. Whoa, say that again. So they are so dense yeah. in, in matter, so densely packed high density that if you were to get a teaspoon's worth in volume that would weigh a billion tons so imagine a billion tons of stuff on earth compressed into the size of a teaspoon. oh i don't mean to say it to me i mean yeah. clearly i understood it on the <laughs> yeah. first time i meant for the listeners um i saw some other i some other examples so someone think, gave it's like if, if everyone sun, on earth oh. it was like if everyone on earth were the dense pushed together at the density of a neutron star they'd fit on a postage stamp damn that's a good one. I also heard if it, if the sun were compressed to the size of Chicago, it would be that same density. Maybe that one's harder to wrap your head around than all the people on a postage stamp. That one's these yeah. th- these like the, these stunning discoveries that always uh, end up with you having to reckon with the the scale of our yeah. human existence. Yeah. Right. Um, do they ever? Like, do they ever leave you like uh, with a sense of uh, uh, of lightness and freedom, uh, and about the inconsequentialness of how unbelievably tiny and blippy and blinky we are? Or or um, or is it just fascinating? Or is it just? Bo- I mean, as great ponderers of these uh, of these cosmic well, yeah, mysteries, I mean, uh, that, it's. Ho- like I'm late on my taxes right now and that is the thing stressing me out most in life yes. and is it helpful or not helpful to be like well we're going to crash into the sun like this is the universe is vast my problems are meaningless but I don't want to get audited either so it's hard I don't know I don't know how to answer that like yeah it's fun to well, think yeah. that it's, it's not like and nothing matters but I, I still have to go it doesn't really work for this yeah it doesn't really work for like a get out of school like <laughs> no, a get out of school no. early or somebody forgot to assign the homework or my taxes are late stuff but yeah nothing matters. but like for like big existential existential stuff did I say it mm-hmm. um, for big existential stuff like do you ever uh, ponder that big the, you know there's the wildness of how ridiculously small and unimportant and yeah. and momentary all of this is and be like oh well i guess i'm not stressed out anymore i guess i i wish it were that I, easy i, wish I guess i don't need away. love in my life or whatever uh, yeah. the thing is i don't need uh, that new iphone but i i do because when i text a sentence my phone waits like 10 seconds and then goes so i, I need it you know gotta have I it i don't need it but can't i need live it. like that i can't live like that cannot live that way none of these things matter in the grand scheme of things though you're uh, right uh, I've lost my way in this article. Oh, so. yeah. I was just going to point out that um, uh, 
or not point out. I was going to ask, and I don't know why you guys would be able to answer this. I didn't quite get. So we detected it with the with LIGO via the gravitational waves, and then I I can't believe there'd be enough time that any actual telescopes were then trained to that region to see. I would think by then. <clears throat> I don't over. know. Hang on. I, I'm trying to remember because I, I I think two colliding neutron stars Takes you actually while. know that it's going to happen I, I'm going to check this but I know that it think, did happen I think I know I think astronomers knew in advance that it was going to happen that it was that the information was going to get here that something had happened to out no, there no I think because you can actually see you can already see neutron stars and you could see these two stars getting closer so they knew the oh, collision okay. I believe so they had their you telescopes pointing in the right direction had gotten closer yeah and they knew a collision was imminent. They were imminent. like they, knew. they were exchanging digits, if, yeah. if you will, cosmically. Yeah, yeah one two. dead star was. <laughs> so two seconds after the LIGO detection, a burst of gamma rays. <laughs> These two dead stars were on the plane that yeah. was going yeah. down. Yeah, negging each other. <laughs> negging each other. Oh wow! So hang on. Two seconds after the LIGO detection, a burst of gamma rays from the neutron star collision was captured by NASA's Fermi Space Telescope. See, that's what I was trying to figure out. Is Astronomers it... around the world quickly turned their telescopes and dishes towards a small patch in the southern sky and also saw the flash across the visible and invisible light spectrum. So how was there enough time to do that? I get if maybe the Fermi Space Telescope isn't that directional. I don't know how it works, but like maybe there's some telescopes that are getting enough data from vast enough what part of the thr- sky. What, can you imagine yeah. the thrill of uh, how, much, how much time in these enormous telescopes and labs and planetariums where is nothing are, is there just nothing forever yeah. and not just like nothing over the course of like sundown to sunup but like you're looking in th- three dimensional 360 degree space for bajillions of light years in every direction just staring at nothing night after night after night of your uh, graduate program and then one day one evening like in like a 15 minute window yeah the craziest thing that's ever happened and you were just like ducking out to get more ramen or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> Who missed it? Those are the only stories I want to read. Are like the guy yeah. that like came back, or that everybody something- just got done celebrating, and then you hear a toilet flush, <laughs> and the guy walks out. <laughs> <laughs> Do not go in there. Yeah. <laughs> What's been happening? Guys, I mean, looking at your face is not that bad. I mean, yeah, sure, I got a bit of stomach upset, but <laughs> it's good. Well, I didn't use all the matches. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but I mean, well, LIGO as a project is kind of like that. Like LIGO as a project was decades in the making, and um, and but, but then again, once they finally turned on the latest iteration of it, once they did a bunch of upgrades to make it more sensitive, they keep right detecting away, stuff. They found something right away, so it was just. Yeah, yeah, once you know where to look. It was a waiting game in the first iteration when it wasn't as sensitive. It was like up, upgraded somehow. The well, my God, when you're just sort of looking at all of space all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it must make a huge difference to all of a sudden know where to aim. Yeah. So analysis of the light also revealed the manufacture of gold on a cosmic scale, as well as other heavy elements. That's where bitcoins come from. Uh, oh, yeah. it all makes sense now. Yeah. It's so much it's explain space it to gold. me, but space gold. It's already out there. It's backed by a hard currency. A lot of people didn't know that. <laughs> we got a space gold reserve. Yeah. So, so as the, soon as we went off the space gold standard, that's when shit started to go to when, hell with yeah. this country. That's, the origins of gold have been a mystery for a long time, but evidence, recent evidence has suggested that colliding neutron stars could have a big hand in their creation. All the heavy elements like gold, platinum... Wait a minute. And things like uranium are all detected in these. No, no, get out of my face. Do you mean to say... Does that mean to suggest that uh, mineral deposits in a little old place like Earth yeah. could be the results of gajillions of years ago? Or stars. not even that. It kind of have to be. Space no... gold flying through space came just... 
That's pretty much it. That's what we're but saying, doesn't like, it become heavier, molten? Like as it comes flying into the atmosphere and then even if it was globs molten, back it together and goes and hides in a mountain. Was, but yeah. the fact that they have such massive, like the atoms of these uh, of these elements have are, are the dinosaurs were killed by a giant number. They have, Bitcoin. They have way more protons. You know, they, they are just larger, yeah. heavier elements than like, so that like, as you get larger in an atomic number, uh, it becomes more, I guess difficult to determine how something like that was ever produced because there's there's like hydrogen is just one proton and that's the most plentiful thing in the in the universe which makes sense and then as you have more and more yeah larger and larger the sun is mostly just turning hydrogen into helium so Mm -hmm. the sun is mostly hydrogen and helium and nearly all the heavier elements are the product of things like this and supernovae yes um but yeah it looks like the really heavy elements the, the your sort of gold your platinums your uraniums most likely came from things like these neutral stars colliding. Isn't that just the best possible explanation yeah. for yeah. where it could have come from? It does make me... Like space magic? It, it <laughs> does make me less into... Sorry, more into the idea of gold because I feel like the, the concept of gold as jewelry, as a, as a cherished prize thing, I right. find really silly. Yes. Like why? I don't Same really... diamonds. I, yeah. I'm it's, sure one of our listeners can explain <clears throat> some better... There are, mm-hmm. it, gold does have scientific um, y- usefulness. It, it's conductivity. It, it's very conductive, and it's also incredibly malleable and soft. incredibly ductile, yeah. yeah. So it can be... You can hammer gold into an incredibly thin sheet. Tastes uh, good. It tastes great. <laughs> yeah, flakes slider, of it in yeah. flakes of it in drinks are mm-hmm. obviously awesome. Poor people can't get it. Poor people can't get it, yeah. It's a great thing to murder... Uh, ancient spanish peoples over uh-huh. mm-hmm. doubloons yeah <laughs> so, but yeah the idea of just putting giving this thing this I, I mean like the idea of anything having value i still find silly and we're going to do our bitcoin episode at some point but mm-hmm. the idea of you know at a certain have, point it's just we have to do as, when we agree on something having value it has value by that agreement so it's yeah just, like yeah. there's yeah. no there's no greater reason that you know what why is a paper with some with a dollar sign printed on it and some other little drawings worth money well because the government says so and the government ties it to other values which was once gold which again was gold valuable yeah. and now yeah. it isn't even that so it, yeah, yeah it only money has- isn't even that money isn't even the money the money is a representative of the thing that has value yeah the money itself doesn't have the value so it's but, but it's, if you're saying this is an argument for why it, you can see how it has worth the atomic number of gold is 79 you go up three more and you're at lead at 82 why wouldn't that be worth more? right <laughs> also magical that it ever gets made well they're and, incomparable uh, there's a uh, lot of lead around not yeah. as delicious yeah yeah water soluble though. platinum right before gold i didn't realize mercury is only one tick above gold That's why is there more 80. lead than why is lead so much more plentiful than gold great question also why is mercury liquid i why is everything else around it Solid physicists, physical and physical chemists listening. If you, you know why gold is far less plentiful than lead, please write in. There should be a there should be a working periodic table up during the podcast. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, because it is there really be like a big like interactive like on the sports shows like where they're dragging Minority Report style. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There should be a big one. <laughs> you could drag them around and change what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, you're fucking it up. Yeah, I want gold in the first row. I don't care. I don't want to be a free radical. <laughs> Yeah, why? I'm sure this was covered in high school chemistry, but I don't remember. Why is mercury such an outlier? It's the it's one of the only liquid elements. That's crazy, and it's right near platinum and gold and lead and bismuth. I think it's something to do with the silver surfer. <clears throat> okay, okay. That tracks. Yep. 
Um, so great work, uh, everyone who's working on LIGO and on the other great work, guys. that detected this. Except Pretty for that one guy that wasn't there. Cool stuff, right? Yeah. No more ramen breaks. Make sure someone's got your shift covered. It's like, I just saw the John Oliver episode from this week about the Experian um, hack or like security Yeah, page. the Equifax, Experian, whatever it is. 150 million people's <laughs> accounts. So you saw that, but you didn't see the Jim Jeffries episode about the I'm Experian sorry, hack a week before? I, I mean, I'm fine. behind I on see my where. TV. I was just killing time last I, night. And, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, it was actually one guy. I'm just guy. killing it time, was, not supporting my friends last night. It was one, night, one guy at Experian, according to the John Oliver story. Oh, really? Who didn't relay this message that that like Congress had found this mm-hmm. security area and was like, yeah, you guys have to fix this. And there was one person whose job it was to relay that message who didn't do it. And now half the country... But I don't know a single thing about that story other than that I just assume assume myself to be fucked. The government notified Experian about this security breach and they said, here's the patch. And the security person didn't apply it. But I still maintain, and I think we've said it on Jim's show, uh, you can't really blame that guy as much as you should blame the company that put all that responsibility in the hand of what like having a single point of failure system was having one having one fail point in this system not having checks and balances and also i can't believe the government found the security breach i still can't believe that we're ever able to keep ahead of of amateur not amateur but you know i can't believe that we're Tech wise, we're not more fucked because I- I'm surprised that we get the, the brightest well, and best. Well, there's, a big, there's a big Wi Fi uh, security thing that was discovered this week. And again, it was quite often these things are discovered by researchers before they're discovered by, like, the, so this. Bureaucracies the, and. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Or, or bad hackers, I guess. Yeah, was okay. it, they call it white hat hackers. White, and, yeah, you're right. But yeah, a security researcher published this thing saying that all of the entire Wi Fi protocol has a weakness. Like, everyone's Wi Fi router. Has, that makes sense. Has a built-in. I keep hearing these stories flow. about like you, everybody's everybody's uh, parents like getting their houses hacked into because they they keep putting like their doorbells and their toasters uh, and some and, open Wi-Fi uh, network on, or something on, on the Wi-Fi network. Well, that was the the big denial of you, service uh, <clears throat> attack from about half a year ago. Was largely using exactly that. It was largely because the denial of service thing. The way they work is that. Various hackers run programs that take over various people's computers mm-hmm. and then turn them into sort of attack bots. Yeah. Um, and so they need this network of, of computers that they're basically zombified all around the world. Yes. And it turns out that while people's laptops and desktops were relatively well protected, their fridges and yeah, your thermostats fridge. and Why all sorts of shit like that. on Wi-Fi? Yeah, so like... What is the upside? And each of these are just mini computers that no one bothered to put real security on because who gives not. a fuck? It's yeah. a fridge. And they got turned into these zombie attack You can bots. Ba- Like, hackers can just drive up and down the road like in, like they're in the Google Maps car <laughs> just scanning for people's for fridges like open secured. toasters and doorbells <laughs> that are not unsecured. Yeah, having to, having to point, worry about buying a secure toaster is not the thing that I ever thought would I happen mean, in my life. <laughs> I think. I mean, also, is um, what is the downside? I've fully surrendered to uh, data and security breaches. Um, I I don't care at all, and I just assume that uh, that it's the price I pay for living in the modern world, and that at some point it's your turn in the box. And like when it's your turn in the box, like your identity gets stolen, or somebody runs up some credit, and you try and get it worked out, or it doesn't happen, or they, you know, they make some fraud alert on your bank account, or. You change your password. I just don't. I mean, th- that is just something I refuse to have anxiety about. I Especially just figure- if it's every, if it's half the country, then you almost you know, that almost gives you more faith that everything's going to be okay because obviously 
the agencies have to forgive whatever fucking shit happens because someone else opened a credit card with your because it was not your fault and it's happening to half the country so they can't suddenly be like you guys are all responsible I don't know I don't trust those credit reporting agencies with well, I don't either, my toenail clippings I'm saying like, I mean like whenever they, I get they'll... a breach on like a credit card you yeah. know, whatever, whenever a, someone steals my credit which happens like, like with your debit once card. every two years probably yeah they always forgive all the shit they charge of course and like my PayPal got hacked someone bought $2,000 in gift cards they took it off would they right get away. any good stuff like from was, where I like Soup plantation, yeah, soup plantation right? gift cards, five hundred bucks, five hundred bucks. A lot of soup, soup. plantation, it's like hundred visits. Yeah, soup. well, it's not just soup there. Okay, Obviously, they got, they've they got, got a terrific salads, dessert menu. Right. And, uh, <laughs> pies. Uh, they have, they have. I think they have a relationship with Marie Callender's. I don't think they're their pies. I oh, think that they, they're a certified reseller. Hey, you yeah. know, you know what might make someone want to go and get lots of soup many times in a row? Um, getting hit on the head by a part of a Chinese space chemo. Oh, I was going to say obsessive compulsive uh, disorder, but we could do okay, the Chinese okay. space story no, as well. No, no, no. I, I was just, I, I didn't knew what couldn't be what I was saying. Four brain genes help explain obsessive compulsive disorder. Four genes have been identified that, um, by the way, uh, thank, listener last week, yeah, alleles. But uh, <laughs> the article should oh, be four, four genes uh, help uh, explain obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, disorder. Said Simmons? one, said, said one, <laughs> oh, said no. one scientist, or wait, is it five? Hold on, hold on. Let me go check. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Um, so these genes, uh, well, I guess the genes are linked. It's the alleles that, yeah, anyway, fuck it. Uh, the genes all play a role in the same brain circuit and may help explain why people are more likely to have OCD if they have a relative with the condition. People with OCD have intrusive thoughts and feel driven to repeat rituals such as hand washing to relieve their anxiety. To um, investigate if OCD has a genetic basis, uh, Hyun Ji No at the Broad Institute at MIT and Harvard and her colleagues compared more than 600 genes across 592 people with OCD and 560 people who don't have it. They chose these candidate genes from several lines of evidence. Of these genes, 222 have been linked to compulsive grooming in mice and 196 have been linked to autism in people, a condition that can involve repetitive behaviors. Wait, is OCD or compulsive behavior, that's something that they've uh, observed in other mammals besides us? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. How do you behavior in? The, how do you define like normal behavior? Like, how do you say that this mouse or that otter is I deviating mean, the mouse, from the norm? If, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I'm guessing if a mouse is like grooming himself to the point of like scratching their skin raw or something and not stopping when they're done grooming, that might be. Right, I mean, if you saw a mouse no, yeah, that just grooming sound. all day. Sure, that, that mouse has got a grooming. Well, what if, they what also, if, what uh, if they've just lost their mouse brain because they live in a lab? <laughs> well, they they also what looked at um, fifty six genes that they had identified in a study of dogs with canine compulsive disorder. What? Canine a condition in which dogs repeatedly chase their tails, pace back and forth, groom themselves, or suck things sometimes for hours at a time. Mm. I've had a lot of dogs. I've I've I've, I've had dogs all my life and the um there there have some of the dogs do have those weird compulsive behaviors but I also I never know there's too many variables cuz you're also like as a dog it's right. so weird you're a dog you've been inbred for thousands of years like uh, there's no telling like what yeah, yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. or like your little brain got caught in some loop when you were young, and they all chased their tails. I didn't come home in sometimes. Time. Like, what's the appropriate amount of time to spend doing a useless I don't task? Well, That's but right. that is also something. If listeners, keen listeners, will remember the episode we did a few months ago with Dr. Jane Gregory, mm-hmm. who is a, a cognitive behavioral therapist, um, and one of the things I hadn't realized until she said that is people. First, it's annoying in general when people describe slightly 
finickety on neat behavior as oh i'm a bit ocd that's really silly yeah yes. like oh yeah you're not that's um but i hadn't even realized that like i have very i have a few obsessive compulsions but i don't according to jane's definition have ocd because it the d part means disorder and for it to be a disorder it has to act negatively impact on your life okay right so like it has to cripple just oc yeah, I, so so things like I I want feeling the urge or feeling the need to step on cracks in the pavement in specific sequences, right. or needing to sort of even out when you've touched something with one hand and the other, like which, which are all things I have, and or even I think we've described talked about this on the show as well, wanting to sort of retrace my path around people into a room so I don't get tangled up by some invisible line that. That's awesome. I forgot well, about that. That's not one like I've that. ever heard about. Like Wait a this minute. This is this is a what, what is the there's like an invisible rope. Okay, so I like, if I, I like how this is like a brain teaser. OC. Let's say let's say I walk into a room. I think I'm already yeah. Walk into a room and there's a few people standing in there. Uh-huh. So you take a certain path around those people to get from one end of the room to the other. That's right. I will try and this is something I've had since childhood to go back the way I came around the same people so I don't get if I imagine in my head, if there were a, a thread that was trailing behind me, if I go back a different way, then this I would, would get tangled. Yeah, that people. thread would get. So tangled. here's the door. Oh, you're you're oh, tracing you're this out. Here's the cups. door. You're coming in over here, and then and you get to here. Well, if I got if I'd gone to the left of that of this person, he, we, we're, we're tracing doing this like with, a JFK, uh, with cups. <laughs> yeah. If I'd gone to the left of that person uh, through the book depository, the, the left of that person, yeah. and then the right of that person to to the end of the room. Yes. I would want to go on the way back to the left to the left of that person and then the right to that How person. do you handle them having moved since you arrived? So honestly, at your, and again, this is much... When I was younger, this was more... I had this a lot more. Yeah. But let, yeah, let's say this person moves over here. <laughs> I would then okay. have to do this big, like, S-shaped loop find to get, reason but, to be like, oh, to get around that, that person. That per- you need to... Okay. Yeah. Basically, it's a, top, it's a topology They're like problem. slalom fl- yeah. flags and skiing. Yeah, I would have you to just still have to in my sure... head, I'm like, I have to go clockwise around this person and mm-hmm. then double back a bit and find some way to go around Otherwise, the other side of I have to, I have to walk past that person's left shoulder, but then that person's right shoulder in order to get to the yeah. door. Otherwise, part but, of me has never left that room at all, yeah. right? That's but, sort of like... But here's the thing. There's parts trail. of Matt Here's the thing. If I parties. didn't manage to do it, I would feel slight discomfort for a bit and then I would very quickly get over it. Right, and, I wouldn't right. as- and I wouldn't associate... Right not having successfully done it or needing to successfully do it with something really bad or negative happening in my life, which is, I think, when it tips over Disorder. into OCD. Yeah. Because so, people with OCD, they're like, if I, don't, if I don't tap this thing this number of times, then my family will die or, or, so, or right. so I'll lose my job. Or so it's like, like a, it's like a, I used to game a lot of stuff with myself in my mind as a, yeah. as a young guy. And then um, I found that as, a, as some of them went away uh, and you just have less bandwidth to like be fiddling about in your mind like the older you get. But then... Uh, but then there's some stuff that just becomes like little games that you play with yeah. yourself that become habit forming. Well, ye- years ago, I used to have I used to have material about, and again, I now know both of these are scientifically inaccurate because I also don't th- I don't think I have ADHD. I'm very easily distracted and I have and I have a flighty brain. Mm-hmm. But again, it doesn't tip over to disorder. I don't believe. Mm-hmm. But I used to have a joke about having those two things canceling each other out in my head because it. Because that yeah. is what happens. Like I have, on the one hand, I have these compulsive behaviors, but on the other hand, I'm very easily distracted. Yeah. So what it ends up doing is it sort of cancels out and leaves me as just fidgeting. <laughs> like I'm so, just so what do you call a little the, bit yeah. fidgety? What no, that's you, that's right. I had so I, there's I have terrible alcoholism in my family. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was sorry uh, to laugh at that. I thought no, please. 
Um, I uh, <laughs> he says says he. Um, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't think. Um, and uh, but I didn't drink when I was younger because I was uh, uh, I my mother had had uh, healthily instilled me with a fear of becoming an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the older I get, um, uh, I've tried a number of things, but not all of the things that there are to try. I don't think that I could be an addict. Because I feel like I don't have the discipline to be an addict. Yeah, that's uh, it. Does require a little bit of that to get to get started. Like I had some friends in high school who even- decided they were going to start smoking on spring break in high school, and they they dedicated that week to smoking. They still smoke to this day, but it took that one week of really, yeah. really having to apply. Yeah, it's a big themselves. buy-in. You yeah. got to throw your hat over yeah. the wall. <laughs> yeah. So this these genes. Uh, the analysis identified four genes that are different in people who have OCD. All four of these are active in a brain circuit that links the striatum, thalamus, and cortex regions. The striatum is involved in learning and relays messages via the thalamus to the cortex where decisions are made. In people with OCD, the information passing around this loop can become corrupted. Previous research suggests this makes it harder to tell when a situation is safe or risky. The finding adds evidence that as to evidence that the disorder has a genetic component, says Jessica Grisham at the University of New South Wales. We know you're four times more likely to develop OCD if you have a first-degree relative with the disorder. That doesn't mean you will necessarily get OCD if your parents have it. There's a complex interaction between genes and environment. Yeah. OCD can arise in people without a known family history, sometimes after a traumatic event. Um, One of the genes identified in the analysis, HTR2A, is also involved in serotonin signaling. This hints that people with OCD may have problems regulating serotonin in their brains. If so, this may explain why up to 60% of people with OCD benefit from taking SSRI antidepressants, which boost the amount of serotonin in the brain. About half of dogs with compulsive disorder also respond to SSRIs. Uh, understanding how the genetic variants affect OCD will hopefully lead to better treatment, says no. We would like to develop a drug that reverses the effect either by targeting the gene itself or the pathway it regulates. Doesn't all of this get fixed like with like LSD therapy in the future? <laughs> Do you enjoy the hallucinogens? Uh, uh, I forgot what we've admitted on this podcast in the past. Well, then let's not, let's not say. Whatever. Let's just say that you're a healthy American no, no. male yeah, yeah, sure. who's, uh, who's experimented uh, within the bounds of the law. No, I think, and I think uh, and as I've previously say... established uh, on this podcast, I am a... A foreigner in America or a work visa who has never even heard of drugs. Great. Well, then let's speculate uh, hypothetically. But studies have been done with things like psilocybin. In fact, there was an article sent in this. Is that the one in mushrooms? Mushrooms. Yeah, and and I think some. Yeah, LSD. Andrew McKay sent in the story. By the way, um, thank loads of people sent in the LIGO neutron star story that we covered. Uh, I know Justin Broad did, and I know loads of other people did. Thank you for that. Has anybody seen? This is a total. Has, did you see the the Cary Grant? LSD documentary uh, earlier this year. Anybody? No. Great. So strong recommendation from me to use to watch it. Yeah. And it's about Cary Grant, uh, uh, formerly uh, uh, Archibald Leach. Didn't um, know that was his real name. I love uh, Englishman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, little theater rat who like came to New York uh, having been essentially orphaned. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so he had a traumatic life. Lived his whole life Assuming that, or with the understanding that his mother had abandoned him. Um, she just disappeared from his life, and he had been very close to her. Uh, later found out, much later in life, as after he was an old, famous man, um, posing as an American, that his father had had her committed. 
and his entire life was given what? like psychologically emotionally existentially wow. was given by the um his relationship to this awful fundamental truth of like uh, being abandoned by his mother um and uh, so at some point in the uh at the like the peak of his career like during like the like the Hitchcock and right before the Hitchcock stuff he's he he's in Beverly Hills and somebody prescribed he goes to see some shrink and starts doing micro dosing of the uh, LSD therapies I didn't know um, people did it almost like like, like sensory like deprivation tank yeah. talk therapy and so th- he'd have these micro doses and they're totally making it up as they go along because LSD this is like before Timothy Leary had LSD oh interesting and um and so it, Cary and Grant after he found out the truth this is after he found out the truth uh, I think no I think this is before he found out oh. the truth so he basically went and he and uh uh and he kept extensive journals uh and uh he appears to have it's this beautiful story the documentary is beautiful um but about the degree to which uh under like guided therapy um that with this lsd stuff that you can reprogram your brain at like whatever at whatever elemental like seminal moment um you became obsessive or compulsive or broken about whatever thing um, that you can retrace back in your mind to the to the little boy or girl that made those decisions. And this is with someone else in the room who's yeah, with a therapist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it's not like a thing where you can just like think hard enough when you're on it and suddenly have undone this damage or something. Um, yeah, just get super high, everybody. <laughs> think really hard. Um, and think about the worst stuff that's ever happened to you and the most pain that you can feel, but stay real high <laughs> for as long as you can until it's fixed. Um, so there's a documentary about this you can find online. Yeah, I'm yeah, putting I'm, a link on the. Uh, okay. it, um, might, it might have been Showtime. I'm putting a link. I don't know. I have an extensive I I cable. It was I called Be- Becoming Cary Grant. Is the name there of the is. movie. There it is. There it is. And uh, I'm putting a link to a Guardian article about it that also probably mentions somewhere to see the film. But um, I'll put that up on the Squarespace powered probablyscience.com website where you can also find the donation button. Um, donation button has been used for recurring. Um, monthly donations by David Worth, Destruction Lane, Peter Long, Patrick Chalky, uh, Ben Marriott, Brooks Gilmore, James Casson, Callum Gleason, Drew Chapman, Stuart Holding, Kate Birch, Zvonimir Kroons. I think there was one that just came in as we were recording, if you want to check that one up. And a huge thank you, as always, uh, for the monthly, very generous donation from Linda Moulton. And also, I missed a, a one-off uh, single donation that was very generous uh, from Vince, Vincent Fisher. So thank you very much, Vincent, last week. That was one that I forgot to thank. So, uh, I don't think we have a new one coming in. But actually, while we're talking about donations, um, could I suggest, in lieu of sending us money this week... That blood. Yes. Maybe blood. Lots of blood. blood. Well, this is a bummer. All but, your blood. Um, but it's a good thing. This is a shitty donate. sad story, yeah. but it's... Um, Past whoops. guest of the show, Deepak Srinivasa, and he got some very bad news. His 10-year-old niece has... Um, uh, a very nasty form of brain cancer that's uh, that's usually terminal. And um, there's a GoFundMe to raise some money so that their family can go do some fun things with the time they have. Um, Basically, we're making it, trying to give yeah, some money so to, to try to make style. this girl's last few months pretty awesome. Yeah. So, so we'll link to that. Really shitty story, but let's try and turn it into something vaguely positive. We'll put a link to that for sure. So if you want to donate some money. Yeah. That was past guest uh, and Andy's old college roommate. That's right. And now space, space man. expert. Uh, rocket man. Yeah, rocket man. In the non-pejorative <laughs> sense. Yeah. Uh, non Trump sense. So, uh, yeah, if you could do that and uh, instead of donating to us for a little bit, that would be really great. They're like three quarters of the way to their goal. So, I'm sure we could we can help send a few people over and, and help them out a lot. So, um, uh, we have time for. I think we've got time for one last story. Well, we haven't done the Chinese 
Um, oh, there's two stories then that I want to cover because oh, oh, I want to do the Scorpion want? one as well that Jeff oh, Candela okay. sent in. Yeah. But let's. Um, well, I mean, maybe the Chinese thing is. Well, the Chinese quick. thing doesn't have much it's, of a story to yeah, it. We actually just... did a thing about it on Jim's show that's going out tonight. But, well, that'll date when this podcast goes up. But um, uh, it's. Everybody's going to see this space station headline. I want to hear. I don't know anything about the Scorpion. There is a Chinese space station that is uh, that has been up there for eight years and was decommissioned. And it turns out it's a little bit out of control, and it's going to come crashing into Earth, and they don't know when, and they don't know exactly where. That's pretty much the whole story. But, but I mean, uh, this has happened before, and people just rely on the fact that most of Earth is actually pretty... Is the ocean. It's pretty unlikely, if you land in a random place on Earth, that you're going to hit somebody, I guess is the logic, right? Yeah, it's... Yeah, um... It's, it's it's wild that we that we talk about the unbelievable accomplishments of science and the observational <laughs> powers of of some of the stuff that we've we've discussed, and we're still relying. And on then and then there's just this like, keep your fingers crossed. It is very the, unlikely the space station doesn't land in your face. Because if you think about it, the firstly the majority of uh, the Earth's surface is ocean, right? Far more of the. Far more of the Earth's surface is water than and the land. rest of it is Canada. And then, yeah, exactly. And Russia, like even even the bits that are land are also to a very large extent empty. Mm-hmm. Like there's huge amounts of most continents that have vast amounts of empty space. That um, so you're already very unlikely to land on a populated on on land, and then if that land to be populated, and then even if you are in a populated area, it still needs to. Excuse me. It still needs to hit. Um, I get the. I mean, the odds are pretty wild. The odds are pretty unlikely, but it has happened. People have absolutely been hit by space uh, debris. Mm-hmm. I Certainly, just, I was curious. I just looked up. But a the... whole station, a whole. Well, but even. <laughs> I mean, even it'll still, break up right on so the way thing, in. It absolutely will break up. It's the size of a bulldozer right now. It's several tons, but it will. Oh, uh, that's it. Just a bulldozer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not like a big sp- the space station. No, where it's like, like one Russian. It's one who's been up there by it's himself. The first for a long capsule. Time. It, it has at one point had three astronauts inside it, but it was. Um, uh, it's the f- it was the first capsule of what was a, at one point intended to be a big modular space station, right? And then that didn't happen. So it's not all the mods. No, it's just one bulldozer. But also, it thing. will it will break up and burn up as it hits the atmosphere, right? But bits will manage to bits of it will survive that process. And I was just curious. if it I mean it will if if any of it does hit a populated area, it will be destructive. Right. right. Do you think there's but one Chinese like 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 the Experian guy? Do you think there's one Chinese NASA man <laughs> who like didn't do it? Didn't? Yeah, he was like ah, fuck it, I just put the wrong number in. I want like is there a price to pay? Like what is Chinese NASA? Like I don't know what are they like. I, I everyone, don't know what the Chinese space the whole world is. knows about it's NASA, just, like our CS, NASA, the CSA, isn't it? Oh, that's Canadian Space Agency. Yeah. Um, the Canadian Space. No, I thought Chris that Hadfield. was a joke. No, what is the, what's the Canadian Space Agency up to? What, the, Chris Hadfield was the commander of the International Space Station, and he was a Canadian astronaut. He was with the Canadian Space Agency. But are those freeloaders making it, or do they just jump on our rockets? We, are, we don't have rockets, dude. We don't have rockets. We all have to get, get rides up through Russia. We what? We don't have the means to send people to space right now as a country. What? We're working on it, but we're paying like fifty million a pop to let Russia to we're, have Russia. Let we're us. using Uber cosmonauts yes, to get to space. Is, is Russia Uber? In, in, in Russia, <laughs> Uber. In Russia, Uber drives you. No, in here, no, in Russia, you drive Uber. I guess is how you would switch it, but. Uh, which is also uh, how, there's, yeah, that's how that's Uber how, works. There's like, <laughs> a, it's like Uber drives you would be the joke, but then there's like a pink mustache on the front of the uh, rocket. <laughs> as it go, oh, but so, oh, yeah, but so, what is Chinese NASA? 
Um, uh, well, it's not NASA. What's it? Are you looking up what it's called? I feel like we should. Not, I feel like that's a massive organization that will probably have a, a huge bearing on the rest of our lives. Yeah, I mean, as China there, becomes there the have most been there have been some powerful. sort of like space uh, arms races or you know uh, saber rattling as far as like who's going to lay claim to different things and. But what's the conversation? I wonder, like in China, like when we argue with each other about spending money going to Mars. Or going back to the moon, or building a new shuttle. Know, it, it's the Chinese, the China National Space Administration is the name of their NASA equivalent. And and by the way, I just googled. I was curious uh, what the density of if you averaged out the human population over all the land on Earth, uh-huh. which I know we're not. We're centered in in cities more than anything else, so it makes it even less likely to hit anybody. But if you had to guess, how many people are there on average per square mile on Earth? On the planet, yeah. If you spread everyone out evenly, per if you spread it, mile. per square mile, and this is including, is this including the, like the ocean floor? Yeah, are we counting. Ocean? I think it's just land. I'm assuming. Hold on a second. This That's is, a big ask. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. If you drain the pools, and so everybody can be like standing in the Marianas Trench. This is yeah. This is including land and water. Um, let me just like see point if any other zero ways. zero zero two people. You think it's less than one per square mile? No, it's more than one. More oh, square, square mile. Square mile. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see if I can find anything that is just land and not... What are we looking at? Like seven and a half bill? Eight <laughs> bill? How many peeps? Um, Global peeps. We're, are we up to... Have we hit... It was, it was, six, we were we're six, bill, six bill when I was in college. Yeah. Six bill peeps. That's how they talked about it. Oh, I'm sorry. If only Earth's land area is taken into account... Um, Okay, let's do that number. Only land, and this gets a little bigger. Even so. seven point four four billion is what we're currently on. All right, so seven and a half billion, yeah. and and we're Bijon. talking about just land, square mile. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to think forty acres and a mule for everybody. I think there's enough to go around. Wait, so you think how many people are per square mile? All right, f- this ballpark. Just give me a guess. Um, I'm going to say it's seven point two people. Seven point two, Matt. Uh. I wouldn't. I was already going to guess like one, so I was probably way off. Okay, 129 per square mile, but a square mile is square mile very big. So 129 is about 11 by 11, and that's and that's the land. I I really see things more in hectares. So picture it this way: you got you got 11 people on a side of a square, and those Uh 11 people are spread out over a mile, which Mm -hmm. is 5,000 feet. So you got about uh, just under 500 feet between people in that line. So you really can't even shout so, that yeah, far. You, you got a person who's like four to five hundred feet away from you. How many people did you say it was? Uh, this is based 129, on one hundred twenty-nine. Oh, one hundred twenty-nine per square mile of if you just take into account the land on Earth, not not ocean. Okay, and it turns out um, it's a, roughly a seventy thirty split of ocean to land. Yeah, two thirds. The they always say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It says yeah. If it's if it's including ocean, it's only uh, thirty-eight people per square mile. Without ocean, one hundred twenty-nine per square mile. But still. 129 per square mile, if my math is right. Yeah, isn't that about sounds like 11 by 11? Like so, but yeah, you got about 500 feet to get some room to spread out. Sounds like yeah. underpopulation might be yeah, an issue. Right? Maybe but not enough people. But that's everything, and that's obviously not how we're spread out. Uh, Matt, what were you saying? Oh, I, I was just going to say, um, so, uh, so it's going to drop down to like, what, roughly sort of 40 or so people per square mile if you're including the oceans as well i already told you it was 38 oh 38 yeah, it okay. gives both numbers yeah. yeah 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 um this is the wikipedia entry on population density yeah so it's pretty unlikely that it's going to hit people but yeah, circling back 
Uh, but again, that, that's no one's going to get hit by a bulldozer size. That, that, it would be such a better story if it was like a if it was like as if it was like the size of like Denver International Airport or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the main terminal, and it was just uh, you know hurtling or just slowly turning over itself, like tumbling down towards us. I wonder if people who are hit would even. How fast would it be going? Would you see and hear it? No, you probably see it because it's probably like uh, it's probably like burning. It's probably got a, a smoke trail behind it as it's coming into the atmosphere. Yeah, you'd have time to think about uh, this thing coming towards you. Not long, but a little time, I think. Um, I don't know. You wouldn't know if it was. It was like you know. You remember those like all that dash cam footage from a few years oh, ago, yeah, like Russian, in Russia uh, when they meteors. Yeah, yeah when yeah. they saw the stuff coming. Th- that was crazy, right? Crazy. Broke, broke that windows. was unbelievably yeah. Yeah. riveting, and, and the real. reason why. All that footage exists is because there is so much traffic Insurance fraud scam. uh, scamming that in, a, in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. So many people in Russia will like intentionally crash into your car and claim it was your fault and things like that. <laughs> that That's why. That a huge number yeah. of people and well, like various other cars. Everybody is wearing GoPros in front of you and back dash up, cams. Back up into you because it'll look like it was your fault because right. you rear ended them, but everyone has dash cams so that the people, they can. So they can go, like, you just yeah. did that. What did you do? Or some, That's or like pedestrians when... will jump onto your car. <laughs> I like, I like, you hit me, and you then like me. insist on you money as me. compensation. That's part of why 90% of the videos we would get in when he worked on Ridiculousness were from Russia. Huge numbers of, yeah. particularly any, um, any like crazy traffic video where, you know, where you see like someone does a really dangerous overtaking maneuver and then spins out or whatever. Yeah. Any of those kind of things. They don't. I don't think they happen with more frequency in Russia, but they are more likely to be filmed. There is a certain. I, I don't know though. There's also the highest percentage of those fucking idiots on on radio towers doing parkour. Oh yeah. And every time someone sends someone a, doing a, a handstand would, on the edge yeah, of a building, researchers or, would send us these clips, and we have to yell across the hall. Are we going to see someone die? Like <laughs> these could be snuff films. We don't know. Yeah, please. Videos. Stop sending us videos where someone almost certainly hasn't survived that thing or has a permanent. Spider. I can't watch. A that not going to make it onto the air, and B I don't want to yeah. have experienced that yeah. in my day. Yeah. I can't watch real violence, like no. real oh, violence Jesus. anymore. Yeah. I can't since I had kids. Like I, I can't. What about? I don't enjoy. I can't. I can't experience distance. What about scorpion yeah. violence? That is something that I'm into, and is also that was my first screen name. So, <laughs> new research shows that some scorpions can tailor their venom depending on the task at hand, whether it's snatching its next meal or protecting itself against predators. It marks the first time that scientists have documented the ability of an animal to adjust the toxicity of its ven- venom according to need. I like the it's task so villainous, hand, like it's like paperwork. Like yeah, this it's paperwork so- villain or venom. You- but it's it also makes- so villainous. It's like to think of like a scorpion, like slowly like taking their time like pull like opening their their trench coat and like <laughs> pulling out like a particular blade and putting it back in yeah. and then or holding like a, it like glinting, have, like, it, glinting it in the light you know like while their prey is cornered or, or before a, them a bond villain telling <laughs> yeah. you yeah. how you're gonna die yeah. Yeah. yeah or they have their like q who tells you different weapons that you've got <laughs> access to um, yeah but yeah it makes sense scorpions need to be able to find and capture food so that's usually insects but they also need to deter predators like small mammals um thankfully uh, for these arachnids, Venom can perform double duty for these tasks. But as Jamie Seymour from James Cook University points out, scorpions produce venom that is specific for predators and a different kind that is specific for prey. And in fact, uh, scorpion venom is at any given time a complex mixture of different toxins. The scorpions contain three separate subtypes of toxins, says Seymour, that are effective Offense, against... defense, yeah. special teams. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's ones that are effective against mammals only, insects only and both 
And the question was whether the recipe for this cocktail is fixed or can adapt in response to different environments and predator-prey interactions. Going into the study, Seymour figured that frequent exposure to predators should cause a scorpion to produce greater amounts of the defensive venom uh, compared to the offensive one. So to test his theory, uh, he recruited a team of ecologists, chemists, physiologists, and a batch of Australian rainforest scorpions. These two to three- He recruited the scorpions. Yeah. Homerus, uh, he put out a call. Yeah. And they all met in an underground parking like lot. Uh-huh. First scene they each have again. different skills. <laughs> one, of them, right. one of them flips up a welding mask. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. Another one doesn't want to go back to this shit. <laughs> yeah. One more job. One more job, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Another one's a, a hacking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is in a wheelchair. <laughs> you just hear this. <laughs> Definitely in a wheelchair, like a sip and puff, with like a quad wheelchair. Oh, he can't even. I thought it was going to be. Yeah. We're in. <laughs> and it's just his, it's just scorpion feet on concrete. Uh, so they're just the, scuttling across the floor. These scorpions are well adapted to the rainforests of Queensland and northeastern New South Wales. For the experiment, Seymour's team subjected these scorpions to one of three conditions. Exposure to live crickets, which are prey. Exposure to dead crickets, which is the control. And exposure to a taxidermied mouse, which simulated a predator threat. I hope they had it like with its teeth bared. (laughs) After six weeks, the scorpions who were exposed to the simulated predator featured a very different venom chemistry than those who weren't exposed to the taxidermied rodent. Mm. Exposure to a simulated predator appeared to decrease relative production of toxins that would work on insects, while generally increasing the production of a section of the venom profile with activity towards mammalian, e.g. mouse cells, uh, says ecologist Tobin Northfield, a co-author of this new study. Um, This finding doesn't mean that the scorpions can suddenly adjust the chemistry of the venom on the fly, Rather, it means that scorpions who are under constant pressure by predators over a protracted period of time, in this case six weeks, are capable of adjusting their venom chemistry in response. Like adaptively. Yeah. I like that they consider them well, I don't under, like under that. constant pressure by predators as opposed to just in the presence of furniture shaped like a predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like sort of gothic furniture. Yeah. Our findings provide, to our knowledge, the first evidence for adaptive plasticity in venom composition, said the researchers. This is cool because it means that scorpions, or at least these Australian rainforest scorpions, have built-in toxin regulator that reroutes internal resources to increase or decrease venom production according to need. Looking to the future, scientists will need to detect the same ability in other scorpion species and study how they do it. So you think there's scorpions that... Yeah. Like consenting adult scorpions who like to mix it up. Exactly. At home. And you kind of like to push the envelope a little bit. And if you find it a little bit too... um, uh, you know, full on. Uh, it turns out that this study will also help them develop antivenoms, improve their efficiency or efficacy, rather. I just keep picturing like the three like vile. What, what was it like? The offense, defense, special teams. What are the three flavors of poison? Um, Predator, prey, and just a I just keep imagining like 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 three colored vertical like cylinders <laughs> drop into uh, uh, that, that, like drop like through the tubes into the you got a blue and a red and a green or something yeah 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 they have one type that's effective against both uh insects and mammals and one type that is predominantly insects and one type that's predominantly mammals okay what kind of what kind of scorpion attack does it take to take down a uh, a grown man uh, uh, I, th- I think they're one of those things where we were raised to think they're worse than they are, but I don't think a lot of people die from. I, I, could, I got grandparents in Scottsdale, um, like many people, 
and my wife uh, is reluctant to visit them because she's convinced that scorpions are coming for her and mm-hmm. her baby in the night. And uh, and so she'll put like chalk and stuff around the bedpost. Um, oh, uh, is that uh, a, just superstition or is that a real? F- there's there's no telling. Okay. Um, and uh, the other thing that they'll with it with if you go to Arizona, you'll see the cribs will be put into like uh, like glass footings, like like a mason jar, like for each foot, okay. because the scorpions can't yeah, go up glass. glass. Yeah, I and I just I was wrong. I googled this, and uh, it turns out the number of scorpion deaths is ten times the number of poisonous snake deaths. Is that so, like globally or yeah? Globally, just in, there's a one point two million bites or stings and thirty two hundred deaths. Yeah, for every person killed by a poisonous snake, is ten, that because ten by a poisonous? I gotta is that because they're more frequent, they're more prevalent. It says like I gotta think another variable there is that like I imagine mostly younger people or kids or people who are frail or infirm in some way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, one point two million to thirty two hundred is a pretty big. Yeah, you're that, probably okay. That's you're, around a quarter of one percent. And plus, most of the time yeah, when you encounter a scorpion. It's when you wake up like on a sand dune and like your face is blistered and there's like a shirt wrapped around your head you're and you've been abandoned. For some you're reason. lost. Yeah, yeah. And right, then like yeah. and you sort of wake up and uh, because you've been you're alone in the desert because and then a scorpion is scuttling across. That's most of the places that you run into scorpions. Yeah, mostly in in, in a spirit animal context. In a spirit, yeah, some kind of a vision quest, um, or uh, just lost in a desert. Lost in a desert. Seems um, like people. It's just easy to avoid deserts. I feel like it's uh, and vision quests. <laughs> Keep it between the lines, kids. Vision quests. Stay. Galloway. Yes. Where can our listeners find out about you and where you are? Oh, there's really not much to know. Uh, feel free to contact me. My phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't really have a social media presence at all. I don't enjoy Twitter. I don't enjoy oh, Facebook. So I don't spend any time there. Uh, I have logins. Uh, uh, you're welcome to contact me. I can't imagine why you'd want to. But it's uh, at Galloway. My name's Galloway. Galloway, like G-A-L-L-O-W-H-Y. But I honestly couldn't tell you the last time I logged in. That's great. That's great. That's what we should all be doing. I don't know if that's true. Um, but I don't enjoy it. I'm enjoying it less and less, and I'm still compelled to do it. I'm very tempted to get out of it soon, but who knows? Who knows? My wife has an Instagram. Uh, I'd love for you to contact me there. I don't know it, but I th- her name's Elizabeth Albright or, or Lizzie Land. I wish I'd brought, I should have come armed with that we information. We can link to it in the show notes. I would love for any random person who has heard this and has any desire to, to hate me or, or like me that they would do so through my wife's Instagram. Is there a thing they should comment on one of her pictures where you'll know it's for you without being too expensive? I'll be asking. I'm sure it'll come up. She's also about to give birth, and uh, I'm sure it'll come up if she's uh, getting some weird comments. Okay. So comment something weird on Galloway's website. Oh, I wish we could find that. We'll find We'll find it. Yeah, let's find it. We'll We'll put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt's getting pretty comfortable over there. I am. I'm I'm lying back now because we've reached the end of the podcast. I don't need to wear my headphones anymore. This is the Or be reading the newspaper, uh, reading the news stories. Take a load off. You enjoying the new sectional? I am. I I like you. Andy has a new couch. It's very nice. Oh, it is new? I mean, new is new, but it's right to Andy. I don't buy new furniture. Um, This is not, so this is not like where Jane Gregory sat. This oh man, she might have been. No, right it would have been. I got the new ma- new couch. We could pull out the blacklight and find out. <laughs> oh, Janie. Uh, so, um, Andy, have you got anything coming up that it- I? Uh, uh, oh, I do, I do, I do. <laughs> I do. Why I can't do. I think of what it is. Uh, I'm doing a show with Brian Cook on November 14th at the Three Clubs in Hollywood. It's called Guilty Treasure. 
comedians and musicians playing the songs that they hate to love. So that should be, oh. yeah, it's a fun thing. It's a really, it's a great room. I did, I did Mike, I did Mike Schmidt's show there a little while ago, and I was like, oh, this is the best performance space I've seen in Hollywood this size. Wow. Uh, I don't know Which venue is it? Three clubs. Oh yeah, it's great. It's, it's got, a, it's a bar, but it's got a separate room. Yeah. It's just a perfect. I haven't stage. been there in it's ages, but it's a dive bar that I really like. That's close it's not to even me. Really a dive bar. It's like When's a that show? Bar. Yeah, uh, November fourteenth, Tuesday, November fourteenth. So uh, tickets are not on sale yet, but we should get that in the next week or two. Um, and we'll, we got some fun. It's a good mix of comics and musicians, and I've got some ringers in the band that'll make for a good show. So and I might great. have announced this too late, depending on when this episode goes out. But on Monday the twenty third, that's this coming Monday, or possibly the Monday that's just happened. <laughs> we have we we will be doing the uh writers of the Jim Jeffrey show uh at Flappers oh, nice. in Burbank. So if you're anywhere near Burbank, California, on the outskirts of Los Angeles, the it's a stand up show featuring the writers of the Jim Jeffrey show, most of whom have appeared on this I podcast. Mean, all but Kevin Avery. Right? Kevin Avery is the one holdout so far. We haven't yet pinned him down, but he'll be on very shortly. He's just a busy man. Well the longer he holds out the more valuable he yeah, becomes. Exactly. Oh, but speaking of things that's that currency. gain in value, I guess we'll talk about this next week. But we got a great gift from a listener that we will plug on next week's, next week's episode. Uh, sure, you could mention the, the, the card game Go Fuck Yourself. Yes. Um, we'll talk about it in more detail next week, but look up. If you look at Kickstarter, look for GFY, right? Yeah, I or, believe so. Or Go Fuck Yourself and you can... There's you a can, Kickstarter to make a new version of the game. It's a, it's a card game and it's fun. And it was made by one of our listeners, whose name is uh, Mike funny? Einstein. On, but I don't oh. think that's Mike's real last name. Oh, okay. But yeah, that's we just. I just got mine today. I haven't played it yet, but it looks. Fun. Can I read the description? Sure. Or have you already read done that? Yeah. This is a lighthearted game about the ways life likes to screw us all. I designed it at my kitchen table with help from my two boys and brother-in-law. Whether you received it for free as part of a promotion or paid hard-earned money, we sincerely hope you like GFY. If so. Please leave a five-star rating wherever it is sold. If not, hard though it may be to hear, please share constructive criticism so we can continue to improve our future releases and expansions. People are loving this. Read the front. There's a great, there's a blurb. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I played this game last night with your mom. Who is that from? D's nuts. Um, This (laughs) this game is deeply satisfying. Your mom. That's another good blurb. (laughs) Uh, Fine card game. Fun new card game. Congratulations. What a great thing to put out into the world. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for sending that. And listeners, thank you, as always, for donating and and sending us stories. We really appreciate it. uh, Galloway, thank you for joining us. Thank you all so much for inviting me and for having me. It was a blast. Listeners, we will see you next week. Yep, take care. Bye. Bye.